have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome today to the believer's journey. I'm really so glad that you've joined us. And I uh, really believe you'll find a lot of benefit in today's program. Uh, the, the topic today is going to be on transforming uh, the power of community. And this is something I believe is really needed in our uh, world today as far as knowing, you know, what do we do in life? Where, where do we go? Who do we hang out with? with? What, is it, what is the importance of a community. And I think this is going to be a really good Bible lesson today on this. There's more than enough information and uh, in the scriptures, and so I, I really like this. Today our guests are from our Father's Kingdom Services, and uh, we are so fortunate to have James Paul, and um, we're having uh, Eliza May. <laughs> Thank you. Very happy to be here. Thank you. And uh, so basically... Um, I want to first say thank you to all my uh, sponsors um, for uh, supporting us. And uh, I want to mention again that in November we will be in the Republic of Moldova and uh, teaching over there and doing lots of uh, work with the missionaries in, in, in ministry. So while we're there, since we'll be there the entire month, I will be recording from places like Ephesus and Rome and Moldova while we're on our trip out there and while we're there. I think uh, there's a studio out there we'll actually sit and be able to visit and have a program there in the studio with one or two of the missionaries while we're there. So it will be an exciting time. If you're interested in supporting, uh, not the trip, but supporting uh, the goods that we're going to take with us, we're going to take uh, clothing as well as we're going to take vitamins or other necessities that they need to help support the missionaries over there, uh, feel free to contact us, write an email. Um, we are a tax-deductible organization, so that you, anything, any donations you give that go to us, that we go to them, we'll be, you will get a receipt for your taxes. And that's being a good steward of your finances. Anyway, I want to say aloha and hello. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Excited great. to be here. <laughs> so, uh, Our Father's Kingdom Services was um, created, it was founded by your mother, mm -hmm. okay? And um, Elisa Grace. Yes. Okay. And so she is also the CEO. And I'm understanding she's a little camera shy because she sent you guys. <laughs> time to share the airtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, James Paul here, he's the um, uh, community development person. So basically, if you call, he's the guy that you talk to. Is that correct? Uh, Definitely. Uh, if there's needs in the community, well, we identify them. And I'm the guy you call when you want to be a member of making a change in the community to better the people we serve. Okay. And um, Eliza May, you're involved in ministry and outreach. Yes, I facilitate partnerships with churches, agencies, and businesses. Um, we hold donation drives, and so anybody who wants to be a part of that, they can contact me. Okay. So I want to read here. If, if everybody, if you go to our website, uh, thebelieversjourney.net, and go to our guest page, I have a write-up about uh, this ministry. It's, it's pretty incredible. I am uh, really blown over by what these people do, and I think this is a really amazing ministry, and I just wanted to share that up front. But um, on here, I'm going to read something here, and I want you to, to um, talk about it. It says here that uh, you're dedicated for, to um, intervene in crisis uh, and prevent future socioeconomic crisis and psychological barriers of extreme poverty. Now, that doesn't mean that you're trying to get rid of poverty and eliminate no. poverty, and you probably don't even believe that's really a possibility, correct? Right, correct. But what is it that you do that, that you're saying here? What is that in simple layman's terms? Oh, well, the simplest terms is that when uh, people live in extreme poverty, uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, it can be mental health issues because people are in survival mode, uh, not just living paycheck to paycheck, but 
uh, they really sometimes don't even know where the next income is coming from. Um, they can be on government assistance, food stamps, um, public housing, but there's a lot of needs that those things don't cover. Um, so we do whatever we can to provide those needs so that they have um, to, to better their living situation, to make it easier for them to live day by day. Okay. So here it says that you, um, you help out where there's areas of abuse and homelessness, mm -hmm. breakdown of households, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, situations that basically um, affect people's lives in a very negative way. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm going to assume here that what you do is you really help out those who are in poverty, who are homeless, and who are hurting. Okay. Um, what we do is we work to prevent homelessness. Uh, we want to prevent that from going to that stage. Um, so what we do is those, those crises that we intervene in, it's really like the last stage before someone is out on the streets. Okay. Oh, that's really cool. And I'll, I'll offer two real-world examples. Uh, one of the, my earliest memories when I started working in this organization, uh, we got a call from a family. They had no money for Christmas, so mm -hmm. we took them gifts, we took them food, we got them a tree, and I thought they would be happy with toys and stuffed animals and clothes, uh, but the family was ecstatic. They didn't have to share one toothbrush. We're talking a family of five. And it's little things like that, that, that they were so grateful that that emotional barrier was gone. They didn't have to share a single toothbrush. They didn't feel poor or worthless anymore. And it, I, to me, that's a big part of what we do in Christ Intervention is those little things that no one thinks about, uh, being able to have socks without holes in them, being able to sit with your family and being able to have holidays and being able to pretty much dream again. A big part of what we do is helping restore hope. And the best thing about that program, it was a Christmas program. And everyone kept saying holiday program, and you're like, no, it's a Christmas program. <laughs> like, all the credit for that went back to Jesus and all the churches that partnered with us. I, I'm, I'm chuckling over here a little bit because I was just, we talked about socks with holes in it. I'm thinking, I have socks with holes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I keep them until I figure out, well, how long can I keep it until my toe starts to stick out? <laughs> so in, in jest here, it's, my mind goes in funny directions. <laughs> Um, I like what you have on your website, and I have it also on, on ours, and I want to, I want to read this. It says, uh, you guys provide at no cost crisis prep, uh, pre intervention mm -hmm. with donated items, mm -hmm. other community resources, and support uh, to decrease stress uh, or stress factors and right. enable individuals and families to live a healthier life. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, uh, so talk about that a little bit. Well, um, for example, we've had uh, people call in for emergency groceries, uh, whether they hadn't yet received food stamps or they hadn't recycled for the month. Um, again, low to no income households is who we serve. So we've had uh, mothers call in for help with baby milk, um, where they were giving their babies sugar water. And, you know, we've gotten a call at 11 o'clock at night, and um, we would go <coughs> purchase what they asked for and we would deliver at midnight if needed. We've had veterans call in, um, said that they hadn't eaten anything but potato chips for three days. And so what we did in that situation was we provided emergency groceries and picked up something for them to eat on the way just to hold them off until, you know, we could get the groceries to them. Um, so things like that. Okay. And you mentioned when we talked about your position, you partner with churches and you partner with businesses as well, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is it that uh, a business or a or church or if somebody wanted to partner with you, mm -hmm. how does that work? Well, they would give us a call and we would find out um, how it is they want to serve, whether that be uh, volunteering with their employees, if, if uh, business, um, churches and businesses can hold donation drives for us. Uh, collecting hygiene products, um, baby supplies like diapers and you know bottles, things like that. Um, cleaning products. Uh, we've had uh, when I mentioned agencies, organizations can also get involved. We've had uh, Boy Scout troops collect uh, laundry supplies. So we literally had baskets filled with laundry supplies that we delivered to families in need who, again, couldn't afford those things. Okay, I know that. Um now, I've served on churches and mm -hmm. so forth, and, and I know that uh, we, we get a lot of 
well, I don't know about a lot, we've gotten people who have come and say, you know, I can't make rent or I can't mm -hmm. pay this uh, electric bill or whatever it might be. Um, and I know that a lot of churches have requirements, you know, mm -hmm. fill out this application, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, let me see your bills, let me see, they, they get more involved in their um, finances mm -hmm. and their budgets. Mm -hmm. So what are your requirements if somebody were to come to you and say, you know, I only have one toothbrush for five people, what, what can you, how can you help me? Uh, well, it starts with our intake process. We find out a need, usually it's by phone call, and uh, when they call in, uh, we'll assess, we'll, we'll, get, we'll gather the needs that they're uh, mentioning, and uh, the next step is to make an appointment with them in their home so that we can verify that those needs exist. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the list with them, we'll uh, assess what resources are needed, um, we'll take pictures so that we have on record, for example, if they're requesting um, furniture or uh, even groceries, we will go and check and verify that those needs are existing in the home. So okay. to prevent fraud. On your website, it says here that your volunteers and your organization are, is dedicated toward um, working to see lives transformed and changed uh, by the love of God. There, uh, your purpose basically is to always bring services to those in need. Mm -hmm. yes. So you are a Christian organization. Yes. Yes. Okay. Does that mean that you have to be a Christian in order to receive your benefits from your organization? No, absolutely no, not. No, absolutely not. Okay, so you basically serve the whole community. The whole community, yeah. whether it be lower in no income households. Okay. You're facing a crisis that puts you in jeopardy of losing your home, um, losing your, your family, well, like I said, breakdown of family units. Uh, we'll get involved. Um, just a side note, because I'm, I'm interested in knowing this. So basically, if somebody comes to you and they have a need, and they're not believers, mm -hmm. and you come um, the comment here that you work towards seeing lives transformed and changed by the love of God, that would almost make you feel like, are you going to give them tracts and preach to them and tell them they have to go to services? Or, or where is it in all that that you deal with people who basically have nothing to do with God at all. Where, where do you meet them at that mm -hmm. meet? Well, and um, again, when they call in with a need, uh, we make it known that we are praying those, those needs in, that the things that they're requesting, uh, whether it be financial assistance or groceries or anything. Uh, we don't hide the fact that it's God who provides these things through the community. And so we will offer prayer when they call in if they decline, that's fine. We don't force it on them. But uh, when we go in for the home assessment, um, we make it known that whatever we'll be able to provide, uh, we pray it in. We, we, we point them to God. We point him to him as the source. And um, usually, like I said, the people, they're in dire circumstances. They're in extreme poverty. And so usually they're, they come with such shock uh, when we do deliver the items that they're requesting, um, that they'll ask, you know, how is this possible? How did you do this? And we can say, God, he's the one who provides. And it opens the door for us to minister the gospel. And uh, I'll share, we had one uh, participant, Brenda. Uh, she called in, was in a very bad domestic violence situation, and needed to kind of start over. And we told her, we're going to contact our prayer team, keep your phone by you, we're going to call you right back. And she was like, prayer team, I need help right now. And we're like, just believe us, trust the process, we're going to contact the prayer team, we'll call you right back. Called her in 15 minutes, we had a home, we had clothes, we had support, we had housing, we had resources, and we had a volunteer to go and meet with her, we had a team to help her. And her first words were like, I, when you said prayer, I was like, how's that going to help me? Now I want to know who are you praying to? What God are you serving that allowed you to do this? And that's been the most beautiful thing is people, when they get to us, they're expecting to be let down. They've already told us, you know, that they, they turned me down, I feel rejected, uh, I don't know if you can help me, I'm just desperate. And then by the end of the day, they're crying, they're inviting us to sit with them, stay with them, they're asking us, well, what church do you go to? Who, who do you talk to? Can I talk to one of your pastors? Uh, and for us, that's where the transformation of the love of God happens when they see that we actually do care and there is compassion. And they're not just a, a number of participants to us. They're a soul that needs help. You know, and, and in saying that, I, 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 I need to interject here because I believe that our Christian community, mm -hmm. and I can't speak for 
you know, areas all over the world, but mm -hmm. I've seen this in the United States, uh, where people have been very turned off yeah. to Christianity, to the church, because you get the person saying, well, I'll pray for you, and they walk away, yeah. and it's like, and uh, you see them again, oh, who are you again? And, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, and, and it's like, you know, you hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Why would I want anything to do with God or Christianity or anything that you have represent? Exactly. And I think that, you know, the scriptures, when it talks, and we're actually going to talk about this later, when it talks about, you know, when somebody's in need and just praying for them and walking away opposed right. to meeting their needs. Right. Exactly. I mean, if, if Jesus, when he was here, if all he did was pray for people and walk away and didn't feed them or heal them or anything like that, what kind of following would he have? Right. Exactly. You know, so I think it's really important that that is said now, mm -hmm. because what it sounds like you guys are doing is saying, you know, we have a powerful God. I mean, mm -hmm. tell me that, you know, if I'm wrong in what I'm assessing your ministry, you, we have a powerful God. We have a team that is connected, mm -hmm. that is here to help you mm -hmm. with the guidelines the Bible gives us yes. right. to provide for your physical, emotional uh, mental needs right. that you have now. Right. Am I right? 100%. Absolutely. So basically what you're doing is you're actually following biblical principle. Correct. Amen, yeah. And, and I think that's really important. It, it's because I know that there are churches that when people come to them, and, and I'm not saying all churches are like this, I'm just saying there's a few out there. If someone comes to them, they'll, they'll give them an, uh, a $25 card for groceries. Here, go and mm -hmm. find another place. Or, mm -hmm. you know, that this is good for, don't come back for another month. Or, right. Right. and that may not even be their need. Right. You know, or they may say, well, we don't do anything, you know, find the Catholic Charity Society or whatever right. it might be. And they send them down the road. Right. And um, I, I really believe that... Uh, what I was trying to say from the beginning here is the Christian community, at least in our country, has closed its eyes and hardened its heart yeah. to the very fact that you know we have such a need out there. Mm -hmm. One of my one of my issues is that, uh, and I don't know when this started. I mean, you may know, I don't, uh, but it seems like the need of providing help. And resources to help the needy, help the those who are in poverty and hurting. We've we've readjusted everything to the government, mm -hmm. yeah. where it used to be the government didn't do any of that, but right. churches did that, Christians did that, right. people of faith did that. Right. We had organizations uh, like the Salvation Army and other places mm -hmm. who actually gave meals and did these things right. for people. And now it's almost like, you know, well, you have to go to government and get on welfare or whatever it might be. Right. And now you have a lot of Christians turning their back and their hearts mm -hmm. away from this whole idea of giving to those who are hurting and are poor. Yeah. Right. I mean, how do you think or feel about that? Well, I think that's uh, one of the reasons that church partnerships are so important mm -hmm. because um, really our ministry can serve as a discipleship tool where a uh, pastor can bring the needs of the, of the community, of the poor, to the congregation and, and teach uh, what you're talking about, teach that it is a Christian responsibility to get involved in serving. Okay. Um, I want to bring up now um, Elisa Grace uh, Ribling, that is your mother. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, and she is the founder and the CEO of, of this organization, mm -hmm. Our Father's Kingdom Services. And um, can you tell me or, or tell our audience, um, what was it that brought her to the place that she started this organization and founded this? Well, she grew up in poverty. Um, and then when she was older and, and away from it, uh, she really sought to escape the... Um, traumatic memories of growing up in extreme poverty and the Lord kept putting her in situations um, to face the needs of the community and later on when she uh, she had us she had our family and um, she was uh, put in the nonprofit sector um, she has been in the nonprofit sector for over 20 years um, she was again just placed in situations where the needs of uh, San Antonio's poorest were before her um, there was a, a a day where she was uh, training in a training, she was a Vista volunteer, Volunteers in Service to America, and um, there was a pastor who was serving on the east side of San Antonio, 
uh, rehabilitating um, men who were struggling with substance abuse. And as he was speaking, uh, teaching about what he did, uh, really the transforming power of God in these men's lives to, for real change to occur in their lives, um, the Lord spoke to her clearly and said, look at his feet. And as she looked at his feet, he was in sandals, and his feet were very dry and calloused and worn. And she heard the Lord say, these are the feet of Jesus, and he serves my people. So your mom, basically, um, in the idea of bringing out awareness of uh, the idea that we need to serve others, mm -hmm. is that her kind of premise with this? I, I can definitely tell you. She was going to St. Mary's working on her law degree, and I remember the story very well. She asked God, what do I need to do to serve your people? Mm -hmm. And he told her, go unite churches. Go partner with churches and get them to be the hands and feet of, of Jesus. So that story about her seeing the man's feet and God telling her, these are the feet that serve me, mm -hmm. a big part of her ministry was returning back to God in the sense of realizing or the calling on our lives is to serve his people and to love one another. And the best way she knew how to do that was to get involved with the community and start connecting people in need and people who had. Okay. Is she a tough CEO to work for? <laughs> She's um, the best CEO to work well, for. Well, <laughs> to be honest here again, um, uh, okay, so she grew up like, these, these are the stories that make me cry. Uh, she was 14 and wearing a pair of men's shoes that were three sizes too big because she couldn't afford shoes. And so when you have a CEO who reminds you, hey, uh, that woman over there is doing this to, to afford baby formula. That woman over there is wearing these shoes because she understands poverty better than I ever will. Mm -hmm. And uh, tough, I want to say tough, I would say I'm very, very blessed because she helps really open all our eyes. Uh, we all fall apart daily. We'll just start crying. When, you know, people are like, oh, my God, thank you. One toothbrush. I, I don't have to share with my little sister or my dad or whatever. And she'll really be like, okay, let me explain what's going on here. And a large part of what she do has done is really help us to see just how we, we hear the word poverty. We have no idea what it really means. Mm -hmm. There's people who are suicidal or they're hopeless. Right. And she's really helps a lot of our team understand just exactly how damaging poverty is and knowing that she has those experiences it's a lot of accountability because we have to walk into people's homes and realize this isn't just a woman this is a mother mm -hmm. this is well this was a child this is a woman with children uh, it really it really just uh, it opens up the layers of i'll say of what poverty is and right. the people we do serve so tough in this sense of a lot of accountability there <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I grew up, um, I didn't know that I was poor. I was, uh, my dad left when I was nine, mm -hmm. and we had to leave the house we were living in because uh, he never made the mortgage payments, and so we had to leave into an apartment, and we were there for a while until I guess we had to leave, because mm -hmm. my mom, we had five, she had five kids, oh, wow. we had to leave that apartment for another apartment right. for another apartment. I must have, I don't know how many elementary schools, maybe six I went, elementary <laughs> schools I went to. I remember wearing shoes that had big holes in them, so I put paper under it in right. it. I wasn't as poor as having one toothbrush for yeah. an entire family, yeah. but I didn't know we were really poor. Right. Um, I just always was not conscious of that stuff. I was too busy having fun and playing and goofing off and doing things. I didn't think about, you know, the fact that my grandparents would bring food over or do things mm -hmm. for us or bring, you know, the only thing I really hated was for Christmas, uh, my grandparents would always bring us clothing. And so I don't want clothing for Christmas. But that, <laughs> that basically was a supply right. that we had because my mom couldn't afford it, mm -hmm. that, you know, we were fortunate we had grandparents who mm -hmm. helped my mom you know, that we could get dressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was, right. you know, I remember we couldn't, we couldn't afford Little League, and I was really big in sports, so mm -hmm. I went to Park League because, you know, it was, you know, either dirt cheap or free. I don't know which it was. Right, and, right. and there were friends I met who were in the same boat. And uh, so basically, I understand to a limit. I mean, when I was 16 and a half, I moved into my car. So I lived in my car for right, right. quite a while there and, and lived in somebody's homes and, and so forth. So it was really interesting growing up like that. But it was only when I looked back and realized, wow, mm -hmm. we were really poor. Right. And mom said, yeah, I only made $1.25 an hour at wow. Monkey Wards. Oh, wow. That's not the real name of the place. <laughs> call it. And so basically, um, it was really an experience. Right. Um, so 
So, so let me ask you, when we talk about, well, let me, let me say this to, to our audience first. So um, uh, if you need to, need to touch base with this organization, on, on our website, you have a little email spot there, and that actually uh, goes to you, right, James? Yes. Okay. So uh, if we have volunteers, people who want to volunteer and help your organization, would you be the person they talk to? Yes. Uh, call me, email me, text me anytime, 24-7, and I will more than <laughs> happily help you in connecting to any uh, service that you would like to volunteer for or help with. Definitely. Okay. And so that's important. So um, we don't have your phone number. I don't, is that on your website? Uh, I think my number. If not, it will be tomorrow. Okay. Uh, but we do have your email, and you're the person to talk to for volunteering. And um, as far as churches getting involved in businesses, you know, you're the person to talk yes. to. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can go to our website, click on the link. There, a logo is on our website. Or if you go to the, their website, you can see it. Uh, it should come up on the screen, and I have their uh, website address. Mm -hmm. You can go to their website and, and look through it, read about their organization, contact them. Uh, the time that I've spent with you guys has been amazing. Um, I, I was, I guess the first time we sat down, we were supposed to go for what, a half hour, <laughs> half hour meet, you know, we spent like four, four, four hours, four hours <laughs> together. It was yeah. the best 30 minute meeting of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, pretty amazing, pretty amazing stories, uh, pretty amazing ministry. I'm all about ministries that are helping the people mm -hmm and not necessarily making money off of helping the people. Right, yeah. And I have a real problem with that. Um, and so when I, when I uh, talk to you and I realize you're all about pure ministry, mm -hmm. you know, that really touched me. And I think that's important because in, in our country, we've lost that. Yeah. We send kids to camp, which is supposed to be a ministry, and they're paying $400 for the week. Yeah. And you know it doesn't cost four hundred dollars to go to camp for a week, right. so you know there's a lot of profit being made somewhere. Mm -hmm. I know that when I go to Moldova because it's a very poor country, and I've seen where they have camp, and it might cost, you know, I think it's twenty five dollars or or so. And if somebody brings five friends, uh, they get to go free mm -hmm. because they brought five friends. And usually, those seventy five percent of all of the people that kids they bring are non-Christians, so mm -hmm. it's true ministry. Mm -hmm. right. And there's not profit built into this. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that we need to realize, you know, Jesus, you know, didn't have a place to lay his head. Mm -hmm. He was poor himself. Mm -hmm. right. And I think we understand that we need to work with this and be able to reach out to a public that says, I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. One of the things that I teach very strongly was when Jesus was in the upper room and he said, I give you a new commandment that you love one yes. another as I have loved you. And then I go through the, the areas, how did he love us? Because mm -hmm. when I ask the question, the first answer I get from everybody is like, well, he went to the cross. Well, no, he was talking to them. He hadn't gone to the cross. Mm -hmm. But he went, did all these other things and spending time and healing and feeding and he washed their feet, which symbolizes mm -hmm. that he served them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus says we need to do that. So we need to be servants to others. Exactly. And so I teach this, and I, I think it's important. And what I see in, in your ministry is this is what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, even without my teaching. <laughs> that's a joke. But, <laughs> but I think that's really, really neat to see that actually mm -hmm. happening in other places other than, than where I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so cool mm -hmm. and it's so important. And I think that uh, I have so much praise for your your organization and Thank for, you for your family, your people. Thank you. Um, so um, in volunteer, how many volunteers do you have at this point? We have a... Uh, we have, let's see, six full-time, well, part-time and full-time volunteers, mm -hmm. including us. <laughs> and we have about a rotating volunteer base of 20. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And you could use more? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. And for those people, those everybody who, let's say you're in San Antonio uh, or you're somewhere in, in the United States and you want to just give, um, 
you have a contact on your website that somebody can contact you and say, hey, I have a chest of drawers that I'd like to give. You would be able yes. to take that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people just take it down to Goodwill or Salvation Army and they dump it there and right. so forth. And uh, But you usually have a place to take it right away and it's free. Correct. Correct. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So Big thing to understand that because I know in a lot of these organizations they resell it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you actually take it and it's for free to this group. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And I think that's important for every church and business that you partner with mm-hmm. or is looking at you to partner with. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I think that's really, really very important to understand mm-hmm. that. And that's why I say it's true ministry, pure ministry. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about your, your ministry that uh, before we go on to our topic? Yeah, in fact, um, when you were mentioning volunteers, one of our biggest needs right now is that uh, we need volunteers for a um, Christmas project that we're doing. It's Christmas Hearts. And we, our goal this year is to serve 500 families in San Antonio. So our biggest need is for volunteers to help us assess um, homes, households, um, go in and do that interview process that we talked about with assessing the needs, making sure those, verifying those needs are, are there. And uh, we provide training. We provide 12 hours of training. Um, so if anyone is interested, you know, please contact us and we will get you set up. Okay. That's wonderful. That really is wonderful. Um, our Father's Kingdom Services. Remember that name that is really uh, important. And then, like I said, go to our website you, yeah, or for their website and uh, look them up, contact them. Send James and, Paul an email. <laughs> send James Paul an email. And, uh, and uh, let's, help this, let's help this ministry. I think this is a good ministry. I, I think, you know, very highly of, of what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Okay, and so our topic today is transforming the power of community, which kind of fits right into your ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tell you, and we've talked about this a little, very little, that um, I teach a, a lot out of 1 John. Mm-hmm. I love the book of 1 John, and I think uh, the letter of 1 John. I think that basically uh, it gives us a real insight to how to what we need to do is love by loving one another. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is is live in a community of believers, and and how we do this, and so forth. And um, there's also a, a, another passage that I want our uh, our viewers, our audience, to look up, and that would be in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Mm-hmm. It talks a lot about you know the transformation of your life. It talks a lot about working in the community of believers, working with one another, building one another up, and this is what it's all about. And I think that that's really important. I have a I have a quote here that I want to read, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And it's, it's this. God's, a community is God's desire for us, okay? Mm-hmm. Biblical mu- community is even more important because it helps us stay focused on God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Community for Bible believers is a big deal, mm-hmm. okay? I believe this. I believe this now for several years, and I'm sure you guys believe this. Mm-hmm. This is your topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's important for our happiness and our growth, mm-hmm. and it's not an optional part of the Christian life. Okay, I think that's really important to understand that. It's Definitely. not an optional part of Christian life. Uh, when we are in close relationships with other believers, mm-hmm. okay, we, um, we have people to pray for us, people to support us, to encourage us, to exhort us, and to serve alongside of us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Um, so here we have this quote, bring me something or respond to this. Well, I'm going to say right now what we're having in this room is community, where the two or three more believers are gathered. There's been encouragement. There's been exhortation. Uh, I love what you said earlier about how, you know, uh, doing what Jesus did at the cross, that was important. But what else did he do? He sat with the people. He served them. He talked with them. He walked with them. And the core word right there is he had a relationship. Had a relationship with the disciples, had relationships with people who need to be healed. And to us, that's what true community is. It's putting that relationship out there. We're going to be the love of Christ, and we're going to serve people. And in regards to your quote, I think it, I think we are 100% agreement with everything in there. It's being that to people. 
because that's what people don't have. They can go to church, they can read their Bible, but unless you're in community like we three are right now, exhortating, encouraging, building one another up, uh, you, you won't have growth unless you have that relationship and that connection. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I know so many people who think that, well, you know, they're surfers. Well, you know, I, I worship God while I'm on my surfboard. You know, yeah. I play golf. I'm worshiping golf while I'm on the back nine or whatever it might be, and and it's all about them being alone. It's it's a pri- it's private, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that in the last uh, at least fifty years or so, the the church, mm-hmm. uh, at least in because this is my lifetime, okay, the church has has, has been this religion, mm-hmm. you know, back then when I was in the early 70s it's all about the denomination what denomination right. are you mm-hmm. oh I'm Methodist or I'm Baptist or I'm Nazarene or I'm Pentecostal you know, so basically it was all about the denomination you were yeah. in and that's what made you you're a Christian you're a Christian <laughs> you know and I've come to believe and I teach very strongly in fact if you've, if you've watched any of my uh, uh, videos anybody who's new to my um, my program here I teach that Christianity is absolutely not a religion. Mm-hmm. That is, in fact, a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship with God, and it's also a relationship with other believers. Amen. And, that, and yeah. you can't really separate that. Right. Mm-hmm. Even when Jesus gave us the, the what they call the, the most important commandments in okay, Matthew, right. he said, love God with basically with all your being, and the second is like the first, which means they're together, mm-hmm. to love others as yourself. Mm-hmm. So... If we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of, you know, the community, the community of believers there. I mean, Jews mm-hmm. lived together, they, mm-hmm. they dined together, they worshipped together. They were all a part of that right. community. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the church, the first um, century, mm-hmm. okay, they were all about the same thing. Of course, these were mostly Jews. Right. There were believers at that point, but they had that idea that it was all about the togetherness mm-hmm. then. So I think it's really important we, we understand that um, because I think community, like I was been talking to you earlier about, salvation comes within the community of believers. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think and I, when I was saying read First John, it teaches that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it says if you if you're say you're a Christian and you hate another person believer, mm-hmm. then you're not then you're dead. Right. It says if you say you love God and you don't love another believer, it doesn't mm-hmm. even say hate, but don't love, then you're deceiving yourself and God is not in you. Mm-hmm. So either way, it tells you and what is love at that point, agape love is to be giving of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So it's an act of lifestyle right. not something we just feel or think or whatever and you bring up a really good point earlier about how a lot of people they think their time with god is private uh we get a lot of calls from volunteers and they'll tell us uh my life's falling apart what do i need to do and we'll tell them come and volunteer come serve come wash clothes come go into a home come come right. just listen to somebody talk and their first words are how is that going to change my life and again, we're so used here, I think, in the West to privatizing our relationship with God. If I go and sit alone in my closet, my Bible time, my life will change. Right. No, when you get in a community with other believers and start serving, that's where the changes happen. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because um, I have a friend who says, well, you know, my relationship, you know, my belief is, is very private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, and I said, no, it's not private. It's personal, mm-hmm. but it's not private. Mm-hmm. I think people are taking that word personal and they're flipping it and stamping right. private on it mm-hmm. and saying that's what a personal relationship is, private. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the Bible teaches that we're very public, exactly. that we're very much into each other. Right. And that's how, how else do we get prayed for? How do mm-hmm. we pray for others? How do we bear in one another's burdens if we're not, if we're private? Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it, it's really important. Um, you know, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 25, it says that we should not forsake the assembling mm-hmm. of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, most people... I believe that read this passage, think about, well, it means we need to go to church. <laughs> you know, but verse 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on uh, toward love and good deeds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then it goes into, you know, that we need to uh, not, that we need to meet together and have this habit of, of worship together and right. assembling together. Right. Right. But it prefaces this with how we need to work with one another. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not about going to a building, singing songs, listening to a sermon and walking away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is probably right. a majority of what the people do in our, our right. country. Right. Right. I'm fortunate to go to Moldova. Mm-hmm. And it, in Moldova, uh, they have what they call home churches. They have a problem with uh, churches that like we have, where these buildings, because they have the Orthodox Church, which is the big buildings. But your your evangelical churches, your, your people, they have such a stronghold uh, or a fight against the Orthodox Church and mm-hmm. so forth that there's a lot of people will be ostracized by family members and friends. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So they meet in homes, which makes it nice. Well, when you go to these homes and you have church in their homes and these meetings, you're having meals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're sharing your burdens, mm-hmm. you're praying for each other, mm-hmm. you're helping each other, you're finding, oh, you have a need with your car. I, I work on cars. Right. And you have this camaraderie right. that you don't have by walking into a building singing listening and leaving right, right. Mm-hmm. and you don't know anybody but the three people that sit around you right mm-hmm. and all you know about them is what they look like and what they wear mm-hmm. you know and it, and what the sound of their voice maybe and where mm-hmm. they sit yeah where they sit <laughs> oh that's yeah. so-and-so seat yeah mm-hmm. but i think what we miss is and i want you to expound on this one is accountability definitely mm. you know in the fact that a community when we actually are working with one another doing, we have accountability. Mm-hmm. Talk about accountability for me. Well, for that, I really would want to share that a lot of the people who come and serve with us and the people we do serve, uh, I think the big part of it is that there's transparency. Uh, we're people who need growth, and when we need growth, we're helping people who are growing, mm-hmm. and we're very open about we're all works in progress. We're all working to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're all striving to serve like Jesus. And when you have that openness, it makes it okay to, you know, the Bible says we fall seven times, get up an eighth time. Mm -hmm. And that's way more accomplishable when you have people who are admitting that God's still doing works in us. He's still restoring us. And when you wake up with the thought every day of, well, God's going to do a work in me today. He's going to restore me. He's going to do a new thing with me. It encourages you to make better choices and to live better choices. And there's a big degree of accountability in there because you know there's people who aren't going to condemn you or judge you or hurt you like people in your past. I think the biggest transformation I've seen, I'll just use myself as an example. Uh, I walked away from the church, oh goodness, in I'll say my early 20s, college age, <laughs> college era. And uh, when I came back to God, uh, it wasn't so much uh, going to church, one church. It was Bible studies. It was people in those Bible studies who ministered love to me. Mm-hmm. It was people who say things like you've heard Eliza May and Allen say. It, it was people who were giving me biblical principles that I knew were true. And when I heard those, I didn't have to fight them. It was like, oh, they actually care. They love me. And that, there's a big accountability in there that just makes you want to make better decisions. And we've seen that with our participants. We've seen that with our volunteers. That's probably one of the biggest things we believe about community. There's an accountability there. Because you can't grow unless there's that accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some point. When I was young, and I, uh, I was 16 years old when I decided to become a Christian, and I spent literally hours, if not days, talking to my pastor about, mm-hmm. you know, what I could or couldn't do. And because the church at that point, a lot of the, a lot of the denominations at that point were very legalistic mm-hmm. you know you can't go to movies you can't cuss fuss boogie all night long kind of thing you can't go to the circus can't read the newspaper on sundays i mean it was really you know even the point where if you're divorced you can't be a member of the church i mean there's a lot of legalistic mm-hmm. things that were not good mm-hmm. right some of them were good you mm-hmm. know maybe some of them were good with a better explanation you mm-hmm. know you should we don't want people in our organization to be drinking mm-hmm. But to say that the Bible says drinking is bad, that's not a good justification for saying why they don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. So it's just better to have good formation. Mm-hmm. But I have a thing here I want to read, because this is really cool, because I thought when I was a Christian first, boy, Christianity is really boring. There's no fun in it. There's nothing. What to do? Mm-hmm. You can't go to a movie. You can't do anything. I mean, what is there? But I, I have this down here, which is really cool. Now, when we talk about community, we're talking about a gathering of believers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So community is encouraging. 
okay? Mm -hmm. Being in a community gives you the chance to be around people at different stages of their faith in the journey. You know, it's interesting. When I teach, I have people who are new Christians. I have people who have been in the church for 30, 50, 60 years. You know, so I have all that in between of believers and people walking their their journey. And um, it's pretty interesting. So you have this, and you learn. You learn how to deal with people who are new and if you're older. <laughs> exactly. And you learn how to mature when you're younger. So right, it's a good right. thing to see that and have that combination. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea, well, you know, all new believers over here and old believers over there. It's just, wait a minute, we need that because mm-hmm. we can learn and grow. Exactly. Um, we also bear one another burdens alongside each other. You know, mm-hmm. We've already talked about that. The mm-hmm. second thing, community is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what happened to board games? What happened to things to do with each other and, and, and play, you know, bocce ball, you know, you know, or whatever it might be. Now, usually bocce ball is kind of a senior adult, old people thing. But, you know, things like that are fun because you get together. Mm-hmm. After you get together doing that, go eat somewhere. You know, right, it's, right. it's fun. And we have groups that go to Branson, Missouri every so often, exactly. and they, they have fun there. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's fun. You can really have fun. And, and we tell people all the time, a lot of people, when they come to us, they're like, is, is all Christianity doom and gloom, or are they fun <laughs> like you all? Uh, if you ever serve with our organization, we will buy you pizza out of our pocket, <laughs> <laughs> and you will, pro- you will spend half the day laughing because, I mean, when you serve the poor, you have to have joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one of the biggest things we hear is, uh, you know, I, the first time I met one of your volunteers was the first time I laughed in 20, 20 months or two years or 10 days. Uh, there's so much hopelessness and brokenness. To us, humor is a really big thing. Mm-hmm. And we want people to associate joy when they be anyone on our staff or team or volunteers. I mean, that joy of Christ is essential. Why would you want to be in a community with people you can't smile with? People you can't laugh with. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a core part of what we do when we serve and take ministry into people's lives. Yeah. And what I was mentioning earlier about when I go to Moldova and why I'm so fortunate is because when I go to these these meetings with these different groups, mm-hmm. what I observe, because I do a lot of observing. Mm-hmm. I really do more of that than I do talking. Mm-hmm. Or I try to do that. Or it just comes natural. <laughs> I'm a big observer. And what I observe is these people, as poor as they are, depend mm. on each other. Right. And it, maybe it's because they're poor. Mm. I also see because they see, or they've come out of uh, poverty in one area, they mm. see people in worse areas. So I see poor people giving poorer people food. Mm. Poor people giving poorer people a pair of shoes or mm. clothing. Yeah. So I think that, you know, today we've hardened our hearts here in the United States. It's like, oh, well, they can go down to, you know, Goodwill. Or they can go, you know, because there's thrift shops and places like that. And so we, we've hardened our heart to giving of ourselves mm-hmm. to, to people. We don't see the poor, no, the people I, in poverty. Definitely. And I remember one family we helped, and there's been a few like this, uh, they couldn't emotionally or mentally get form the idea to get on the bus and go purchase a mattress. That or they couldn't afford like a mattress. Uh, so they were sleeping on couch cushions that they found in the garbage that they put outside to sun dry and they bought them in their home. And those are the people we serve, the people who, I mean, they're, they're, they're so mentally or physically or emotionally broken, mm-hmm. they can't go and purchase clothes. They can't walk to Goodwill. Or there's so much shame and anxiety there, they can't even go and purchase their food because they showered in days or uh, and though when we say poor those are the people we help uh we we serve the people who they're they there's no way beyond us going to their home sitting with them and finding out what they need like jesus did that they yeah. would get help well there is such a need for your ministry i mean there really is for this right here there's such a need for it i think it's uh essential it, it, it should be part of our community as believers. Amen. Not just because we have an organization like yours out there, right. but we should have that automatically. Right. what I think. So let me go on. Uh, community attracts the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think that's huge. I mean, we we uh, we take that for granted, but that it really does. Mm-hmm. And finally, community fosters love. Mm-hmm. So I think that when we talk about community, community of believers... 
there's a lot of positive things that really enter into this. Mm-hmm. And this isn't new to the New Testament. This is of the Old Testament too. Um, Zechariah. Let me read the scripture. 7, 9, and 10. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. I mean, they're already teaching this back in the Old Testament. This is what, <laughs> six, seven hundred years before Jesus. Right, right. Okay, in Leviticus. Okay, let's go a thousand years or more for Jesus. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right to the edge. Right. Okay? Neither shall you gather its gleaming gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes from your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor mm-hmm. and for the sojourner, which is foreigners. Right. Okay, I am the Lord your God. I mean, if we, if the Jews, if, if God didn't teach us in the Old Testament, Ruth would have never married Boaz. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And Ruth is what, the great grandmother of David? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so look what we have here mm-hmm. because of what God placed in in order here mm-hmm. and what, you know, faithful Jews followed God in, mm-hmm. in doing what God taught. Mm-hmm. And we have exactly the same teaching. I mean, this is our teaching. Mm-hmm. This is our teaching. And in the New Testament, we have the same kind of stuff that goes in the New Testament. doesn't matter if it comes from Hebrews, like I read in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4, mm-hmm. both talk about the community and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we have it in Romans chapter 12. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, it says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, okay, we're talking about people in the community, and these members do not all have the same function. We all do things differently. Definitely. Okay, for the body to work. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, one organization, and each member belongs to all the others. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the same teaching in the New Testament as we do in the Old. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And this, this idea of community. Um, and the things I read to you about, the bullet points I read to you, bring this whole idea of our title, which is the transformation, mm-hmm. transformating power mm-hmm. of community. You know, a scripture that comes to mind, too, is iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And um, as you were mentioning, uh, that, well, we're all gifted. God's given us each gifts and talents. And it is impossible to exercise those gifts and talents without a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and as iron sharpens iron, we we need each other to to not only exercise, but to um, just bring out that spirit of excellence in us and uh, encourage one another in the faith, of course. And even uh, as you were talking about, uh, as James was talking about the joy, um, there is such joy in serving. Again, that comes from serving one another, uh, whether it be, you know, like you said, you know, your believer sitting right next to you. You don't, when you find out what they need, it gives you a sense of fulfillment to be, exercise the love of God in meeting those needs. And we get so many people asking us, how do I get inner peace? How do I get satisfaction? Mm-hmm. How do I get joy? Uh, and a big one is, how do I get along well with others? A <laughs> lot of people want to be liked or loved by other people. And what we tell them is, when you have a right relationship with God, that's when the relationship with others gets better. Uh, an A-B relationship with God is the number one source to healthy A-B relationships with everybody else. And it's that aspect of community when you are around people with that same mindset you do spur each other to growth. You do bear each other's burdens. Uh, any way you could possibly trip, you have someone there to help hold you up. Mm-hmm. And to us, that's one of the biggest tenets of community. Yeah. And I, and I think something you said there about, you know, handling situations. We're not taught interpersonal <coughs> conflict or relationships mm-hmm. anymore. Right. <laughs> we grow up in homes that, you know, we are either ignored you find kids pulling a tantrum because they can't have a toy, so they're mm-hmm. given the toy so they can be quiet. I mean, mm-hmm. and, but we're not taught how to deal with these things, and and so you find people in schools that that don't know how to interact, and mm-hmm. then they become adults right. and they don't know how to interact. Right. And so I think that's why we have so many problems in homes and marriages mm-hmm. and children and parents and so forth. It, mm-hmm. it just be, it's becoming like a big snowball, mm-hmm. getting bigger and bigger. Um, the other thing you mentioned was about being happy and having inner joy. Mm-hmm. 
I know, and I know this because of a personal situation, but I also know this because of friends that I watch, basically, that when people talk about looking for happiness, mm -hmm. they don't know how to look for it. Right. Mm -hmm. They're looking for something that makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. right. And yet, the feel good is vassal. It, it, it comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And I was taught when I was younger to be happy is to invest in someone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you think about that? I think there's there's two parts to that that definitely we oh there's two parts to it. Uh, on one hand, Jesus should always be your first priority. If your if your goal is to be like Jesus, you'll he'll help you navigate those relationships. He'll help you serve where you need to serve. And then the other part is sometimes that's what God uses to wake us up. He reminds us, hey, this isn't all about you. Go serve someone else. I know for me personally, I've had the most growth when I forget about myself and I go and invest in other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's very easy, especially like here in the West. Uh, we're a consumer culture, so we think, you know, me, me, me kind of ideas. Uh, but there's nothing more sobering and restoring than to go and lay down your own wants and needs. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes God will tell you, stop helping everybody, help yourself. And then ironically, helping yourself is helping others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What will make me happy is this particular car or that television or this mm -hmm. toy. You know, and that lasts for a good week or, or a month. And then, then what do you have? But that wasn't real happiness. And you go buy something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To make you happy. And then right. it, it's never-ending story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, think, I think really if we were to be taught or if we could teach others to invest in other people. Exactly. True happiness, true joy, actually, that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. You know, um, you're finding now people are divorcing because... God wants me to be happy, so I'm gonna, I think he wants me to divorce you to be happy mm -hmm. so I can find something else to be happy with. And then they do that. It messes up an entire several lives. And then right. they find somewhere else to, to get married, and they're happy for that short period of time. Then mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know, I'm not really happy because they're bringing all their stuff mm -hmm. from one to the next, mm -hmm. and right. that never ends. It doesn't clear out. Right. So I, I really think that's a, that's a key thing, and I, and I think... Like I, I like, what I like about your ministry is it seems like you are investing in people. Definitely. One of the questions I have, I didn't ask earlier, is so as you help people, are there relationships you build with these people that you help? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's necessary. Um, so of our most successful stories are the ones where we have uh, long-term relationships with the people that we serve. Um, ongoing. It's, it's really ongoing. It's a growth process for a lot of these um, circumstances where, for example, uh, James Paul mentioned uh, Brenda earlier. Um, in the situation she was in, it wasn't just meet that need. It mm -hmm. was meet that need, point her to a good church, point her to um, a Bible-based uh, Bible study that could um, uplift her, encourage her, um, teach her how to focus on the Lord in the midst of her circumstances and um, you know provide we provided different resources which is still ongoing uh, financial uh, education uh, teacher teaching her how to budget teaching her how to live on her own so um, independent living requires an ongoing process and uh, that's just one example of a relationship that we yeah we, we stick by someone as long as they need. And one of the beautiful things about Brenda is she now is one of our core volunteers. She has her own community group. Women look up to her. Uh, we, we literally got to see her life be transformed due to donations, time, and people who wanted to invest in her. Uh, we called them and were like, we need prayer for this girl. Uh, they moved so fast. So we've got to now see the fruit of that in Brenda's mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And it is, I mean, the, the way she pours into other people is just, it's a joy to us. Mm -hmm. And going back to joy, there's community, there's joy, there's support. Uh, Brenda, th that participant really shows a lot of what comes together for God to move in lives. It's joy, it's community, it's mm -hmm. support. And again, relationship. You can't have that without accountability. Mm -hmm. Brenda will call us and sit with us and we'll take her to lunch. <laughs> and she'll be like, this is what I'm going through. What does Jesus say? Yeah. <laughs> and we get to tell her, well, go pray. And it's just, it's a joy and a treasure to see. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the last, this is the third, this is the third uh, program I've had now where I've talked to a group. Mm -hmm. uh, the first was Sparrow Song with Amy. And then mm -hmm. we had Artist Night Out with um, Brenda. Mm -hmm. And all three of you have talked about ongoing 
developing relationships yeah. and connecting and keeping those relationships right. and building those. And a lot of times you don't hear that. And so something must be coming about, in my program at least, to my <laughs> audience, that this is important, not just to go out. It's like I get bothered with people to go save somebody and walk away, and then like they're like, well, what do I do now? There, there's no relationship built right, in right. for them to really get any roots in. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really very important, and I think in ministry of all types, building relationships is really cool. Definitely. So anyway, uh, for those of you in, in my audience, I, there are some scriptures I'd like you to read. We've got to close real soon, but one's in James chapter 2, uh, especially verses 14 to uh, 17. And you have in uh, Micah 6, 8, you have in uh, Galatians 6, uh, verse eight, 9 and 10. Read those scriptures. Read those passages. And if you want to type in, you know, uh, community, what the Bible says about community or community in the Bible, I mean, I, I, there's so much information. It's just totally amazing. Well, that's our program for day today. And thank you so much for coming. It's been such thank a you. joy thank and a blessing having you. Getting to know you guys has just been really amazing. Thank you. So... Well, everybody, you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.